0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. With their season all but over, our beloved heads south to Tampa Bay for our final road contest of the season, looking to end the road schedule on a positive note by beating Jameis Winston and the Buccaneers. Can the Bears beat their old coach again? Or will Lovie Smith have the last laugh? Sander Phillips from Bucks Nation joins us on the Week 16 Preview episode of The Chicago Bears Review! The sun begins to set on another NFL season. We get to the last two games for our beloved Chicago Bears. The first one with a trip to Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for the Week 16 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. And uh, we'll have uh, Sander Phillips all the way from the Netherlands to join us uh, a little bit later on. He's from Bucks Nation on SBNation.com. And, uh, we'll talk about the Buccaneers and their, their progress, uh, with Jameis Winston and then Doug Martin's reemergence and things like that. And, and, uh, you know, having good old Lovey Smith in his second year down there in Tampa and how things, uh, are looking, uh, for the Buccaneers this year and, uh, you know, what their future in the NFC South, uh, may be because anyone monitoring that division closely at all, uh, Atlanta started out like a juggernaut five and O and everything and his, um, I think they're 2-7 and seven since the beginning of the uh, – since since that 5-0 and start. And, you know, they're at 500 now on the outskirts of the playoffs. But, you know, nobody's worried about the Falcons. Uh, nobody worth anything is worried about the Falcons. Anyway, the Saints uh, are circling the bowl and will most likely blow up the organization, I think, in the offseason. Uh, that's just my opinion. So the other team that's going to be around a challenge – the uh, Panthers going forward is most likely going to be the Buccaneers, especially, the you know, they're trending up right now. Jameis Winston, the number one pick, uh, playing well and, you know, only going to get better, or so one would, one would think. Uh, anyway, uh, Doug Martin really kind of came out of the shadows from being a guy that people were, uh, you know, showing him the door and uh, giving him directions out of town. All of a sudden, the second leading rusher behind Adrian Peterson by, like, six yards. I mean, it's not by much. Uh, that he's number 2 in the league over 1300 yards uh rushing. We'll talk about that a little bit uh later on. But um you know, they got Vincent Jackson who's a veteran wide receiver. They got Mike Evans, a top 10 pick from uh from a year ago. Uh and, and you know, and an offensive line that they uh you know, t- they two of their other top picks in this year's draft. They drafted Winston first, then their second, then they had two second round picks. Both of them were offensive linemen that have started all year long uh for the Bucs. So they've they are trending up. Uh Out there, and of course, they have Gerald McCoy and other good pieces on the defensive side uh but not in the secondary. We'll talk about that a little bit later on as well but uh, you know the buccaneers look good; they look ready to roll you know uh in the second uh going into twenty sixteen uh and beyond So if anybody's gonna challenge those panthers going forward, it's most likely going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so we do talk about that uh for a few minutes uh as well. Got a few things that we wanna cover. In our uh, news and notes uh, section, before we move on to our talk with uh, with Sander, uh, it's been an interesting week in in Bearland, uh, having lost our third game in a row uh, against the the Vikings, and uh, you know I, I would say this is this has been the most disappointing stretch of the schedule for me. I mean, I just wonder if uh, you know what it was that uh, has led uh to this downfall. I mean, we can talk all day and all night uh, you know, analyze what's going on, you know, on the field uh, and so on, but uh, you know, it's like what is it that you know, I mean, did did we hit a wall? Have we finally just run out of gas? Is is maybe what I'm is you know, what I'm thinking is, is cuz I don't think it's it's a lack of uh heart or commitment or desire or anything like that. We're just getting beat now. And and I think maybe it's just that um, you know, Uh, As much as I hate to say it, that winning Green Bay was our last gasp. That was all that we had left uh, in the gas tank. And, uh, you know, blunders uh, aside in the San Francisco game, they were in it way more than they should have been. That was more on us than anything else. So I guess the last two weeks, I guess, would probably be more more where the questions come in. Because the Bears beat themselves in San Francisco. That was a win we should have easily walked away with. But Washington... We fought our way back in, but Washington outplayed us. And then last week in, uh, in in Minnesota, obviously that did not go well from the start. And you guys know my theories on on why and and so on. You know, so it's like the last two weeks, especially, it's it's like we've had nothing left in the tank, despite our desires, our you know want to win and and so on and so forth. And uh, you know, maybe it is just that this team has run out of gas. We got nothing left uh, for the fourth quarter. We used it all up. Um, you know, playing over our heads in the first three quarters of the season. You know, those first 12 games ending with San Francisco and these last four games we are mightily struggling just to get by. And, um, you know, it's disappointing because, as you guys have heard me say all season, the last five games of the season, this is the stretch of the schedule that I was looking forward to with the way that we were playing in the first, you know, 10, 11 games of the year. It's like, man, we get to that San Francisco-Washington you know, maybe we'll have a tough outing in Minnesota, but Tampa Bay and Detroit, I could see a 4-1 and one finish there because we're better than all those teams. We're better than San Francisco. We're better than Washington, better than Tampa, better than Detroit. And, uh, you know, we should win all those games, and maybe we give a tough go to, to Minnesota. You know, that would be a hell of a way to finish out the year. Well, as we all know, that did not happen. So we'll see what we got left for Tampa. We're back on the road. Uh, again, where we have a winning record, 4-3, and three, so maybe we can finish out with a five-victory uh, road schedule this year. That would be awesome. And then come home for, uh, for Detroit next week. Uh, looking to get uh, Jeremy Reisman from the, uh, from, uh, the uh, Pride of Detroit uh, back on the show. Um, once again, always a good time to have him, and we're talking about that, trying to get our schedules synced up with work schedules and the holidays and everything, so we'll see what we can make happen uh, there. So what do you say we go ahead and dive right in and get into our news and notes section before we dive into our talk with, uh, with Sander Phillips uh, from Bucks Nation. So uh, here's the latest from what's been going on in Hallis Hall going into week number 16. One, two, A couple of really big things going down in Hallis Hall this week or headlines that have been made. Uh, number one being that on Tuesday, the uh, Pro Bowl rosters came out. And for the first time since 1998, not a single bear on the list. Not one. Not uh, not Kyle Long, not Matt Forte, not Alshon Jeffrey, not even poor old Robbie Gold made the uh, Pro Bowl team uh, this year. Um And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win.
1: Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with (sighs) Amex. That's not just the sound of that first sip of morning joe.
0: I think the the only one that deserves the quote-unquote snub label would probably be Matt Slauson, uh, who has been our most steady and consistent offensive lineman uh, this year, but uh, with with other big names uh, at the guard position uh, there in front of him and Kyle Long not there. I mean, I thought that Long not being a guard this year would be helpful in getting Slauson in uh, this year, especially with the way he's been playing, but um, uh, Slauson did not make the cut. And uh, you know guys like Forte and Jeffrey, while they have been productive this year, have missed multiple games and and you know obviously didn't get enough face time with the voters uh, to get voted in, especially Jeffrey. But um, you know nobody else really standing out. Uh, to, you know with and it just kind of speaks to why the Bears are five and nine. The Bears are one of I think four or five teams uh, that did not have a Pro Bowl representative uh this year i think other teams like the the jaguars the colts um among you know about, about two or three others that did not have uh anyone make the uh pro bowl this year so i mean a few a few obviously it happens every year there's always a few people that make the pro bowl that shouldn't and you know probably like guy like calvin johnson who's for the most part been a non-existent you know factor for the for the lions but he's calvin johnson so why wouldn't he make the pro bowl you know it it uh just to kind of bring it home it very much reminds me of the last like two or three trips that olin krutz made it to the pro bowl when his uh, skills were on decline and you're wondering how he keeps making the pro bowl well it's it's pretty much kind of like a good old boys uh situation uh with the pro bowl with the coaches and players holding two-thirds uh of the vote you know Pretty much, you, you you know, it's it's really not even so much how effective a guy has been, but uh, you know, you know, each and every week you have to game plan for Calvin Johnson. So obviously he's a Pro Bowler, obviously. So you vote him in, and so on and so forth. So um, you know, it's like it was tough voting crudes uh, out until somebody came and was obviously the better uh, player uh, than him. And you know, he made about two or three trips to the Pro Bowl. He probably shouldn't have. You know, he was always solid, but I felt like those last two, three years, he wasn't elite Pro Bowl center type guy. But what, you know, what are you going to do? But, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, Kyle Long is, uh, is uh, you know, didn't make it. And speaking of Kyle Long, uh, there's been a lot of talk about Kyle Long's future. Uh, I'm with the Chicago Bears and not as far as like us getting rid of him. So everybody just calm down for a second, but more so what his future position will be. You know, he he's he moved to right tackle pretty much at the last minute uh, this year was was a guard until he wasn't going into that first game of the season against uh, Green Bay. He's had growing pains, but for the most part, he's been outstanding. You know, I mean, we go back to the to, I mean, think about the Denver game. Uh Von Miller was a non factor. You didn't even know Von Miller was out there until he switched over to the left side and beat Charles Leno for the sack fumble uh on Jay Cutler uh in the game. It a critical turnover. But uh, you know, for the for the most part, Von Miller was going head to head with uh with Kyle Long in that football game. You didn't hear from him all day long. Didn't hear from uh you know Justin Houston for Kansas City if you know about four or five weeks uh before. You know, Kyle Long has been a solid right tackle it's just these last two weeks especially against Washington and and Minnesota where in back-to-back games he gave not only did he give up a sack but he gave up a sack fumble at a critical time for the Bears they're trying to build up momentum they're in the middle of a decent drive and in both instances it's Kyle Long that got beat off the edge it was Kyle Long's guy that sacked the quarterback caused the fumble that ended promising drives and, you know, took away points that the Bears desperately needed in, in both of those games and even more so in the Minnesota game where we definitely needed some momentum uh, to carry us through the uh, the second half. That sack fumble killed the Bears' last hope uh, of doing anything productive uh, against the Vikings. So, you know, there's there's the talk. Do we move him back to guard? Because – the right guard's position hasn't exactly been special. First it was Vlad Dukas, then it was Patrick Omeme, uh playing in uh, in position. We haven't really even seen Vlad Dukas, and I don't even know if he's – I'm pretty sure he's still on the team, but haven't seen him out there in quite some time. Uh, Kyle Long has been struggling as the later stages of the season goes through uh, at right tackle. Uh, some speculation, like even I talked about it a few weeks ago, maybe move him over to left tackle. Uh, he is a an athletic, an athletic guy, and um, – you know, that's probably his future position, if you really think about it. I mean, with Jermon Bushrod, who's been a basically a healthy scratch for the Bears the last several weeks ever since he came back, you know, it's been at least eight weeks or so that uh, I don't know if it's been that many, but it's a majority of the season that Bushrod has been healthy since he came back from the shoulder injury, and Charles Leno is still starting at left tackle. So, I mean, obviously that's got to put his future with the team uh, in Jeopardy. I wonder, you know, how much of a cap hit, if any, uh, we would lose uh, getting rid of Bushrod, but his future with the team uh, looks shaky at best. Uh, Charles Leno hasn't exactly blown anybody's doors off, making everybody think he's the left tackle uh, of the future, so some reshuffling on that offensive line is coming up uh, for heading into uh, 2016. Is is Jaronis Grassu the the answer at center? You know, Matt Slauson, obviously, he's, he's an anchor. He's only going to be in his Second year, second year, third year of a contract with us. Um so it's uh you know, we still still got some time left uh with Slauson. Um, you know, what do we do with Kyle Long? Do we move him over to left tackle? So we got Slauson and, and Long on that left side. That sounds pretty good to me. Or do we move him back inside to guard uh, you know, on the right and we've got, you know, we've got Slauson and, and Long protecting Haronas Grassu. In the middle, or you know, helping him improve at least, and then we work on our outside guys, you know, in free agency in the draft. I mean, there's a lot of ways to go. So right now, I'd be I'd be fine with whatever. You know, if we want to keep him out uh, at right tackle and we build the interior of the offensive line, do we move him over to left side with with Lawson, and you know, that be our strong side going forward uh, for the next you know several years, or do we move them back to the to the inside? So we got Slauson Long and Heronis and Grasu, you know, anchoring the middle, and then we get ourselves some new tackles. So lots of questions about the far, uh, the offensive line uh, going forward uh, at 20. Lots of questions, just period, about the team. Uh, really looking forward, and I'm going to start talking, uh, you know, throwing it back out there. Looking forward to having Jeff Dickerson back on the show so we can discuss these things and his opinions and maybe what he's hearing coming out of Hallis Hall about, you know, what's going on with the Bears uh, going forward uh, speaking of Jeff Dickerson I did watch a report of his on ESPN uh, com this morning about the future of Matt Forte and I think we've all pretty much had the same opinion or at least the same thought uh, about what's going to happen uh, with Forte especially with the emergence of Jeremy Lankford we kind of thought the writing was on the wall when we drafted him and um, you know the fact that Jeremy Lankford's um, production hasn't lightened since Forte has returned to the lineup those three very solid games that Jeremy Langford had while Forte was gone um you know Forte definitely wants to come back uh he did say that he approached the uh he approached the um the organization about I think an extension going into last season um or earlier in the year if, if I think cuz he said he talked to Ryan Pace but uh, talking to the team during the off season about lowering his cap number uh, for this year because I think his cap number was over nine million. You know, work out a you know an extension, lower my cap number for this year so it's more friendly uh, for the team moving forward. Uh, the organization said no, um, so obviously that doesn't bode well. And um, you know, Forte wants to come back. He wants to retire a bear. God bless him. Um, but he just turned thirty years old, like literally, like last week. And, um, you know, his production really hasn't fallen off, but how many running backs have you seen hit the 30-year-old wall uh, when that day comes? So it's – I think the Bears are are banking on on Jeremy Lankford. Uh, Kadeem Carey has been good in spots when he's gotten his chance, and we can always re-sign Jaquiz Rogers uh, to come back and be our shifty third-down guy or, you know, what have you, or special teams uh, contributor because God knows we need help on special teams. But uh, there's always that possibility as well to kind of shore up uh, the backfield, somewhat of a veteran presence, but a guy that's coming off the bench and and Langford, uh, you know, Langford needs to work on his, his hands over the weekend or over the weekend, over the off season, uh, you know, to shore up his you know any inconsistency he has. Like he he tends to make tougher catches, but when you hit the guy in the bread basket with the football and the crossing pattern when he's wide open, those are the ones he can't seem to come up with. It's kind of funny. But, um, you know, it looks like Langford is the future uh, of the backfield with Kadeem Carey backing him up and possibly re-signing a veteran to, uh, you know, be the third down guy and, you know, come off the bench uh, kind of thing as well. Um, not to mention those two guys and even J- Jacquiz Rogers are not going to break the bank. You could probably sign all three of those and, you know, for maybe half of what it would sign – what it would cost us to bring Matt Forte back uh, next year. So – We'll have to uh, wait and see on the future of that. But for anyone holding their breath on bringing Forte back for 2016 and beyond, uh, you're going to turn blue, roll over, and die because I I just don't think it's going to happen. You hate to see somebody like that go. Um, Very much like the guy that's coming in or that we're going in to coach against this year. I did not want Lovey Smith to go, but you hate to see him go. You know how productive, how solid a coach he's been for us, but... It was just time. It was just time. It had been nine years. We'd only been to the play- i mean we'd been to the playoffs three times, but at that point, we hadn't been to the playoffs in you know three years and you know the bears were were better than and should have been more consistent and made several playoff appearances as opposed to you know getting shut out of the playoffs and in twenty twelve we started seven and one and finished ten and six. So we were three and five down the stretch and you know lost our way out of the playoffs so it's uh you know it was time it was time for for the for the change to be made you didn't want to see him go but it was time to make a change and I think that's the same thing uh with Forte he's been our running back for the last eight seasons uh not you know not discounting anything that he's done he's been outstanding for us second leading rusher in the history of the franchise I would argue all day and all night that um He's still third as far as, like, if you want to rank running backs. Uh, He's third behind, in modern day anyway, obviously behind sweetness, and I still think Neil Anderson was better than him. But uh, overall, I think Anderson is a better running back than he was. Maybe not so much, uh, well, Anderson was actually a pretty awesome receiver too for anybody who remembers uh, the way Neil Anderson played. Um, He did have, however, a pretty steep decline at the end of his career before he retired. Forte seems to be at the very least plateauing before you I don't think you're gonna see a steep decline like up Forte's washed up it was kind of obvious at the end of Neil Anderson's career that it was time to wrap it up but anyway so like I said you hate to see Forte go but it's most likely going to go down that way that he will not be back in 2016 so Sorry to end that segment on such a depressing note, but it's time to move on and uh, have uh, Sander Phillips in to talk about our sh- talk about the Bears and the Buccaneers. Um, there's not a lot of outdated information or anything like that. Very general questions as far as as it goes, but I did talk to Sander on Tuesday morning before I had even recorded the review episode uh, for the Bears and the Vikings, so. And this was a couple of days ago that I talked to him on Tuesday uh, to get the um, to get the interview in. It was the only time that we had. So but we don't talk about uh, injury reports and who's practiced and who hasn't. So there isn't any of that uh, to worry about. So um, the only notable injuries on on either side, um, you know, Alshon Jeffrey and Shane McClellan uh, didn't practice uh, yesterday. I don't think they have practiced yet today on Thursday and, um, you know, Shay McClellan had delayed concussion symptoms after the Vikings game. He hasn't practiced yet. Alshon Jeffrey with the hamstring uh, injury that took him out of the game for a bit. Uh, Adrian Amos, Bryce Callahan, uh, Pernell McPhee, Tracy Porter, Eddie Royal, all limited with various uh, injuries. So we'll see how that goes. On the Tampa Bay side, uh, Chris Conte, there's a name for you, limited with a knee injury. Uh, Vincent Jackson limited or did not practice with a knee injury. Logan Mankin, same thing, no practice with a knee injury. Gerald McCoy, full go, but he's had a hand injury among others. Uh, then I actually talked to Sandra Phillips about Gerald McCoy. And Akeem Spence, his other defensive line linemate, uh, did not practice with an ankle injury uh, so far. So those are some of the people to worry about. But the big people to worry about are completely healthy, like Jameis Winston and Doug Martin. We'll talk about that after our conversation with uh, with Sander Phillips when I kind of give you my little analysis uh, of the game. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive in and talk to Sander Phillips from Buck Nation on SB Nation talking Bears-Bucks week number 16. back with us once again to discuss this week 16 matchup between our beloved chicago bears and the tampa bay buccaneers from bucks nation on SB nation none other than sander phillips sander welcome back to the chicago bears review
1: hey thanks for having me how are you doing
0: very good sir very good so tampa bay has had an interesting season this year i mean um it's it's hard to do worse than two and 14 uh and it's not hard to improve upon that uh quite frankly but um you know you, you uh, Mar- uh i got to say that um you know with the whole number 1 quarterback and and everything uh number 1 pick overall um it's usually a boomer bust thing and so far um your guys booming
1: yeah yeah james winston has done well um the entire team is better than it was last year and obviously going and 14 a lot of things have to go wrong so you would have expected some of these things to correct themselves this year, but it's been it's been a pretty positive season despite the two losses the last two weeks
0: uh and uh you know one of the big question marks going into the season was which Doug Martin was going to show up for you guys this year was he going to be the guy that lit up the, the, lit up the NFL his first year or two in the league or the guy that you couldn't keep on the field and was you know injury riddled and you know poor play and so on and, and at least for this year you guys got the one that was tearing it up in the beginning of his career
1: yeah absolutely he's been great I think he's been better than in his rookie season even is he doesn't get quite as much playing time because the Bucs really like back up Charles Sims and keep him in on passing downs but uh, Martin has been great. He's been back to he's patient again. He's, he's waiting for blocks to develop. He's seeing the field right. He's making people miss in the hole, uh, behind the line of scrimmage and down the field. So he's, he's been very, very good. That's been a really big surprise after two really terrible years.
0: So one question, because um, I've been hearing a lot of uh, cynicism when it comes to uh, Doug Martin, is is he playing well because it's a contract year? or is he playing well because he's playing well
1: I mean maybe it's both i i can't i can't look into people's heads and see why they <laughs> they're suddenly better than they are like anything anything about that is speculation maybe he was bothered by the injuries the past two years or sure. maybe he was having fun off the field and he decided he needed to focus on the game again or maybe i don't know there could be a million explanations all i know is he's playing well and i hope he continues to play well
0: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was looking at your your team rankings uh, for the season, and on the offensive side, uh, definitely looks like a Lovey Smith team. As somebody that, like myself would know, having uh, let him coach my team for nine years, mm-hmm. uh, top five uh, in rushing yards, but in the bottom third uh, in passing yards. So, I mean, that definitely sounds like a Lovey Smith-coached offense, right there.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think one big difference with the other Lovey Coach Smith offenses is that this time he has a quarterback who's actually pretty good i mean he's james winston is still a rookie he's not a top 10 nfl quarterback yet but he's shown a lot of promise he's played very well in a lot of games if a bit up and down uh in other games so uh that's different and i would expect the bucks to run the ball a little less in future seasons but yeah this this season has been pretty much uh lovey smith
0: Hey, that was a low blow, man. We don't talk about our quarterback. It's he's actually having a pretty great season uh That's this true. year. So
1: But there's no Luffy Smith there now.
0: That's true. That is true. So Luffy's not around to ruin him, I guess would yeah. be the would be the uh you know, the assumption there. But um you know, looking at the season, um, you know, going into the year, people not really expecting much from Tampa Bay, got off to a what, two and four start, and ever since then it's kind of been a win loss, win loss thing for the uh, for the Bucks, aside from the last they've lost three out of the last four when they're kind of yep. looking like uh, the Buccaneers are going to be in the uh, playoff uh, discussion so in the last you know you lost at Indianapolis home to the Saints that was the big surprise for me was losing the Saints at home mm-hmm. um, you know what what has been the, the trouble the last three out of four weeks
1: uh, well they just haven't Played as well. I think there's a variety of problems. Uh, one of them is they've struggled to score in the red zone, which has been an issue all season, except in Philadelphia. Right. Uh, so they they settle for field goals a lot. They can't uh, they can't find uh, the end zone, which is really surprising given that they have Mike Evans. But yeah. for some reason they, I think they've run like a handful of fade routes in the end zone to Evans all season long, and I don't know what's up with that. That needs to change, but. It is what it is right now. And the defense took a step back. Not so much against the Colts, uh, but against the Saints <clears throat> and the Rams. You could see them struggling, uh, in part because uh, Quan Alexander, the starting middle linebacker, is suspended. In part because injuries are, other injuries are catching up with them. <clears throat> so you could see them kind of struggle on defense, struggle to keep uh, teams from converting third downs. Uh, that's the big difference.
0: Do you have a lot of young players on defense, maybe hitting the rookie wall this late in the season where their college seasons were usually wrapping up?
1: Uh, no, no, actually, no. Cause I think Quan um, Alexander was the only draft pick who was starting, the only draft pick on defense the Bucs had. And he was suspended the last two games, so his rookie wall is an issue. And Jude aceh is the only other rookie starting, an undrafted rookie cornerback, because cornerback has been a disaster all season and he played relatively well. He did struggle the last two games, but I don't think that was a major culprit. It's just that a couple of injuries to defensive ends, to defensive tackles, um, that really hurt uh, hurt the defense. And I mean, it is what it is. They really, really weren't all that good to begin with. And when you lose a couple of players, then uh, overall the play collapses pretty quickly.
0: So going into the year, people thought that the um, that uh, the the production for Mike Evans was going to suffer with Jameis Winston at the quarterback position uh, for some reason. In the, in the early part of the season, that seemed to be uh, true. But as I'm looking at his numbers, he's got over 1,000 yards, uh, receiving 66 receptions. But as you talked about a moment ago, only three touchdowns yeah. uh, from Mike Evans. you know, is, Has that been the big problem is that we're not looking for him in the red zone?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so. He hasn't had a ton of opportunities. Uh, when he's had them, he's made some amazing catches in the end zone. So I think that's a big issue. Um, but James Winston has been pretty good for Mike Evans overall. He 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 can throw the ball down the field. He's not afraid to take shots. He's not afraid to, to hit him uh, over the middle or on the uh, on the out routes, and he's done a good job at that. The big surprise has been that Mike Evans has kind of struggled to catch the ball a little. I think he leads the league in drops, depending on exactly which uh, charting outfit you ask. But, um, yeah, he struggled with that. He's fixed that the last month or so, but that was a real surprise. And despite that, he's still having a much better season than he did as a rookie, as good as that season was.
0: Well, I mean, I was when I heard those, uh, you know, kind of the speculation, I didn't really see what the, what the difference was. I mean, Mike Evans and Vincent Jackson, aside from Jackson being a veteran receiver and Mike Evans only being a second-year player, I didn't really see the difference as to why one receiver would get a better connection with Jameis Winston yeah. uh, than the other one would.
1: Oh yeah, uh, me either. But uh, this season has been kind of obvious that Evans is more explosive than Vincent Jackson. He was last year too, but he's he's getting to Jackson's level, and Jackson has been more of a, a possession receiver this year, and with a lot of injuries too that have that have stopped him from being as productive as he was in the past. So that's that's part of why you see Evans uh, putting up a lot bigger numbers than maybe some people expected.
0: So um, with the your your, both your second-round picks, Donovan Smith, Ali Marpet, the offensive lineman, did, how much uh, playing time did they get? We talked about that quite a bit when we had you on the first time.
1: Uh, yeah, both of them started the entire season. Ali Marpet has missed, I think, two games with injury, uh, and that's it. They've started every other snap.
0: How about Logan Mankins? He's still hanging in there?
1: He's still hanging in there. He missed one game uh, and a couple of snaps here and there with injuries. He's played surprisingly well. Uh, I think. He, he looked like he struggled the last couple of years, and he may be, may be getting to the end of his career, but he's, he's holding on. He can still struggle with quicker defensive tackles, uh, which has been an issue for him for years. But other than that, he's, he's surprisingly good, still.
0: So how have uh, injuries affected the team this year? They've, they've pretty much decimated the Bears from pretty much never having <laughs> the team that they wanted to have on the field pretty much at any point uh, this year. How has it been for Tampa Bay?
1: I think the injuries were kind of mild the first half of the season. Uh, at that point, only DeMar Dodson, the starting right tackle, was out. But they'd signed Gosta Cherilis, who who's been okay as the, uh, at right tackle. Uh, and Louis Murphy uh, was lost for the season after, I think, three or four games, which really hurt the receiving core because behind Vincent Jackson and Mike Evans there's no one I mean they're starting Dante Di- Dante, Die, and Adam Humphreys and other undrafted rookies now because both Murphy and Jackson are out but the past couple of months I've seen a lot of injuries hit the Bucks. so uh, Clinton McDonald starting nose tackle is out uh, all the defensive ends have missed games with injury so they're now back to starting undrafted free agents there Quan uh, Alexander is suspended uh, it's not an injury technically, but you know, you're know you missing him for four games, so that's, uh, that's bad. I think most of the defense is healthy beyond that. Um, and on offense, the offensive line has had a couple of injuries, as offensive lines do. But that's about it. I don't think they've been particularly hard hit with injuries compared to other NFL teams, but it's definitely hurt them.
0: So how has the defense uh, been this year? You said they, they were struggling the last uh, couple of weeks. I mean, Gerald McCoy has been healthy pretty much all year, correct?
1: No, 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 not at all. Gerald McCoy is really, really? yeah, he's, he's played most games, but he, uh, he injured his shoulder in week two, uh, and it was very obviously limiting him uh, for the next two months or so. Uh, and then he broke his hands uh, two weeks ago, his right hand is broken, It's in a cast. Um, And he hasn't been able to play up to his level for the past two games, even if he keeps uh, suiting up. So that's been a major problem. And you can see it in the stats, too. Uh, I think in three and a half fully healthy games, he put up four sacks. And in the other 10 games, he's put up three. So I mean, that's that that's obviously a problem. Um, It's not
0: rocket science.
1: Yeah, it's not rocking science. That's, uh, it's limited to him, and the Bucs haven't had a pass rush without him because they don't have any quality defensive ends, which, uh, as you probably know, is not good for a Lovie Smith defense. Right. And then the secondary has been a massive, massive, massive mess. Um, they've been switching cornerbacks in and out basically every other week. Uh, everyone on the roster has had a chance to start and fail. Uh, Sterling Moore's the, been the only one who's, who's done well. And the starting safeties right now are Chris Conney and Major Wright, which, uh, yeah, you should know those guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, they, they haven't been bad exactly. They, they do what Lovey Smith asks them to do, but they're not difference makers. And they'll get, they'll get burned deep because they don't have speed. Oh, or yeah. they don't, right. So that's, that's an issue. They, they don't have the talent to play really well uh, on defense, and that needs to be fixed this offseason.
0: Have Connie and Wright been the the safeties all year?
1: Um, Connie has, uh, at least in the games where he's been healthy. He's been starting at free safety. Major Wright's been kind of uh, up and down. Bradley McDougall started most of the season. He was an undrafted rookie a couple years ago. Um, But Major Wright's got more playing time the last couple of games because McDougal was struggling. And Wright's gotten in, uh, like as in sub-packages and stuff like that, all season long, so... Uh, yeah, they both played a big role on defense.
0: That's, Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, <laughs> especially Chris Conte. Don't even get me started on Chris Conte. I, yeah. Uh, that, that guy was the bane of my existence the last two years <laughs> in Chicago. I could not wait for him. I could not wait for his rookie deal to run out so he could <laughs> go away.
1: Start so someone, anyone else, right?
0: Yeah, let him be anyone else's problem. And surprise, yeah. surprise, lovey scoops him up. So it's, yeah, yeah. Um, so, just to, to, to dial the clock back a little bit, what were your first impressions of Jameis Winston in the the number one, number two game at the beginning of the season with Mariota, you know, putting up 42 on the defense and, you know, the, the, the Bucks only managing 14? What was the initial thought after that first game?
1: Um, well, Jameis Winston played terrible, terrible football that game. He looks. Uh, he didn't look ready. He looked uh, flustered. He looks uh, uncomfortable under present, uh, under pressure, uncomfortable in the pocket. But I wasn't particularly worried because uh, that looked like the Jameis Winston we saw in preseason game one, like exactly the same. And in preseason game two, he looked like a completely different quarterback. So uh, my impression was that he was struggling because. Uh, he was kind of, I don't know, in awe or, uh, distracted by this being his first NFL game or still adjusting to the speed of everything that's happening around him. And I expected sure. him to put it together, uh, maybe one or two games after. And yeah, he did exactly that. And since then he's been pretty good.
0: Any other, you know, win uh, this season, uh, that particularly stands out? I mean, obviously Philadelphia would be a big, uh, would probably be the one, wouldn't you think?
1: Yeah, I mean beating, beating any team forty-five to seventeen—that's that's always fun. Blowout wins have not been a thing the Bucks have done for uh, years, well, like, like ever. ever. Yeah. Really, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was good, and it was it was the first game where James Winston really did everything right. Uh, he managed to uh, to hit a lot of receivers in the end zone, which has been a problem for most of the rest of the year. So, and the defense played well, uh, which is also not a given um so yeah i mean that that was that game really stood out as a kind of game where you think wow this team could be really good in the end
0: so what would you list as probably the most disappointing loss of the season so far
1: uh probably the saints game two weeks ago just because they were in the playoff hunt uh, they were playing a bad team um at home at home though home field advantage has been a thing for the bucks the past Five years. It's weird. Yeah, it
0: doesn't doesn't look like it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um but yeah, they were playing a bad team. If they win this, they stay in the playoff race. If they lose that game, they're almost certainly out. And then they go out and they can't do anything. They can't put up any points against the worst defense in the league. They they can't get Drew, Drew Brees off the field even when it's third and thirteen or third and twenty. So that was really disappointing.
0: Okay. Um so with the um with the last two games of the season coming up, you guys are sitting at uh, six and eight, so five hundred is still a possibility. Even yep. though your your last game of the season is at Carolina, that'll be fun. And yeah, and granted, it's it's week seventeen, but uh, you know, so those games are hard to predict. But that's if if Carolina's packing it in for the year, you know, getting ready for the playoffs. Then you know, obviously the Bucks are going to have a great chance to win that game. But uh, you know going into Carolina week seventeen if they're still playing for undefeated, how are you liking your chances down there?
1: uh not really very good to be honest, <laughs> but hey you you gotta try right and I mean absolutely the, the the Panthers haven't been perfect in recent weeks. I mean they keep winning, but they keep getting into a position where they can lose games um and the first game this year between the bucks and the Panthers wasn't a complete blowout uh it was. Closer than the score suggested, and the main reason they lost it because Jameis Winston threw four interceptions, which is something he hasn't done since. I think he's only thrown multiple interceptions once since and has had several games without any. Uh, so yeah, I think the Bucks can be competitive against the Panthers, even in their own home. Uh, it's a division game and all, so... But I don't expect them to win, obviously. But that, right. it it'd be nice if they can if they can if they can if they can be the one in the in the Panthers fifteen and one season.
0: Yeah, that would actually be pretty cool <laughs> uh, if that could happen. Now, looking at the forecast for the division, just based on on this year, uh, if there's a team that's going to challenge Carolina, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the only team outside of the Panthers <laughs> that's really kind of trending up. The yeah. The Falcons, the five and zero start, have been two and seven ever since. Uh, the The Saints never really found their footing this year, but Tampa Bay, you know, even though it's been a win loss, win loss, the progress has been there, and Absolutely. you have young players at key positions uh, going forward. So the forecast for twenty sixteen looks looks bright. What pieces do you think you guys need to add to take that next step?
1: I mean, th- there need to be new pieces on defense. It's, it's that simple. They don't have the talent to hang with anyone. Uh, they need uh, new players at safety. They need new players at cornerback. And they need new players at defensive end. Those three positions have to be uh, addressed this season. And I'm convinced the Bucks will because they know they haven't done a good job of that. The past two years, they've drafted exactly one defensive player, Quan Alexander, in the fourth round this year. That's it. No other draft picks on defense in two years. Um and and every free agency every free agent they've signed is either been a bust or a former bear or both.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry that's just hilarious. <laughs> a bust or a former bear or both. I love that. That's yeah. a great line. I love it. Um so really only one defensive player in the draft in two seasons. Yeah. Wow. That's
1: it. That's it. But yeah, they rebuilt the offense and I mean they've done a good job of that. They may need a little receiver help next year, but they they're pretty much set, I think, for next season. I wouldn't be surprised to see the exact same starting offense in uh, in twenty sixteen. And that wouldn't be a bad thing at all. So that's worked, but then, well, no depth on defense whatsoever.
0: Right. Uh, that has been a huge problem uh for you guys. Um which it's just I can't get over that because in all the years that that Lovey was in Chicago, he and Jerry Angelo uh, thrived at, at drafting defensive talent and couldn't sign. It was actually quite the opposite. They 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 pretty much nailed almost every defensive player that they either drafted or signed, but couldn't find offensive help to save their lives. I mean, yeah. the one offensive player that they drafted that was worth a damn was Matt Forte, and aside from him, pretty much everybody else, whether it was an offensive lineman or a specialty player, uh, was uh, was a boomer bust, and they were almost all busts.
1: All oh, those offensive linemen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They were all pretty terrible actually. I, was,
1: I, yeah, I guess I guess Lovey Smith learned from his mistakes.
0: I guess, yeah, or his <laughs> uh or his general manager is uh you know definitely focused on the fact that Lovey's bringing defensive expertise, so yeah. we need to work on the offense. And uh seeing how that strategy hasn't been hundred percent good for you guys <laughs> the first couple years. Yeah. Yeah. It's worked so, so. <laughs> It's uh yeah, I mean it's a, it's a process. You guys are rebuilding, so this thing wasn't going to happen uh overnight uh, with all the help that you guys needed coming in, but uh you know, like I said, you 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 guys in the division aside from Carolina of course, are the one team that is trending up. I mean, yeah. Atlanta really just fell face first into the ground after that 5 and 0 start and then New Orleans. I think New Orleans probably going to be out of it for the next couple of years. Yeah, they uh, have. at least they've got a lot of work to do. They have so and many in, Yeah, and they're in salary cap hell on top of it. So it's just uh, it's not going to be turning around anytime quick in uh, in New Orleans. I yeah. don't think.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So um, just to you know, kind of wrap things up here. Um, you know, with the with the Buccaneers. Um, you know, it, it, you, you 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 are you guys. Do you like having Lovey Smith uh, as the head coach? <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's hard to do worse than uh, than uh, Shiano and, and what he did with the team while he was out there.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, and, uh, but then again, you know, w- when you go two and fourteen in one season, then yeah. that creates a lot of antipathy for <laughs> ob- obvious reasons. And uh, we need to fire Lovey Smith. Chants were loud, loud, loud after they started one, one and three. Um,
0: oh, I bet. And, yeah,
1: yeah, and even now, most most people are ambiguous about Lovey Smith because uh, the defense, which is his uh his main expertise, mm-hmm. has been the biggest weakness uh this season, so it's hard to ascribe a lot of the wins to Lobby Smith specifically at the same time, I think the path this team is on is positive i think uh I think they have a good chance of being a very competitive, very good team next year if they uh, take the right steps um, and I mean. If, if you fire Lovey Smith now, you're going to have to rebuild yet again. Because any, any coach you bring in is going to overhaul the team because no coach likes what the former head coach has for some weird reason. So yeah, and it's not going to happen. Like, the Glazers are not going to fire Lovey Smith uh, now, two years into his, I think, four or five year uh, contracts after an upward trending season, after they see promise. That's not what they do.
0: Have you had to talk a lot of people off the ledge on the Bucks Nation site to uh, to calm down because it's only year two or we are seeing progress or anything like that?
1: Uh, yeah, or at least uh, attempted to. <laughs> attempted it's, to, yeah. okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of a weird season because a lot of Bucks fans uh, are both angry at Lovie Smith and they've gotten angry at the team's best players for some reason, so uh, Gerald McCoy, who's been injured and hasn't been quite the same player he was last year because of that. He's gotten a ton of flack this season for reasons I don't quite comprehend. And the same for Mike Evans because he has to—he's had too many drops, which is fair. But then to go like, "We need to cut him" when he puts up 1,000 yards in his second season in the NFL is <laughs> kind of weird, right? So yeah, it's—it's it's been a weird season for the fan base. I'm not—I'm not quite sure what's happening there.
0: Yeah, I think emotionally, your your season kind of mirrors. Uh, the Bears, you know, the expectations weren't exactly high. There's promise because there are pieces in place, uh, and so on. Uh, got off to a slow start, which the Bears did as well. 0 and 3 for us, one, you know, 1 and 3 for you, uh, and things like that. Uh, competitive in some games not so much in others, so some week it's like yeah we're we're good and we're seeing progress and then other weeks it's like this Blah. is the worst team yeah, yeah the worst team that's ever been assembled and get rid of them all and let's Fire start everyone. over and yes everyone just get rid of this and cut that guy and all that kind of stuff so yeah. it's i think that emotionally our seasons have kind of mirrored uh each other um yeah. but um it sounds pretty familiar it, yeah it's it's been kind of crazy this this year it's uh you know <laughs> Like 2016 has always been kind of the the focus for this year, uh, you know. Strangely enough, all we wanted to see this year was progress, and mm-hmm. I think you guys fall into that category as well.
1: I think so. I mean, I would have liked to see seen a playoff berth because you know those are always fun, but it was never yeah. it was never realistic for them to to actually be Super Bowl contenders or anything like that. So it's always been about seeing the progress and seeing that this team can be a really good
0: team in 2016. Exactly, so a few pieces away, like I think the Bears are uh, as well. Sander, how do you see the game coming down on Sunday?
1: Um, I mean, I'm I'm so confused by this Bucks team the last couple of weeks. I don't know. I I think the Bucks win it, but I thought that a lot the couple of uh, the last month. So, um, yeah, but it's hard to see. It's it's hard to see them losing because they're still they're still a good team on offense. I think the defense will click a little better with a few. Players getting a little healthier um and it's at home it's the last home game of the season uh You would think that would do something for the players and for the team right so it'll probably still be close it'll probably still be a competitive game uh but I think the bucks can pull this one out in the end
0: yeah, I think they we're we're pretty much on even planes as far as you know where the teams are um and where they're going uh, at the same time so yeah. i i do expect i mean the bears have have uh have uh, specialized in close finishes aside from getting it handed to them by minnesota just this past weekend um their last 8 games or something like that have been decided by 4 points or less yeah uh they they've lost uh, seven games at by like by a total of 17 points or something like that so um That's you know probably, i would anticipate yeah. probably a close finish again uh, as well so um we we've, we've specialized in, in in hanging in there or letting our opponents hang in there yeah. until one of us one of us takes it at the end so that's a that's an exciting and a heartbreaking team to watch all at the same year yeah, that's, uh, that's the so nfl <laughs> yes yes indeed it is so but looking forward to the game yeah. on uh sunday uh sanders thanks so much uh for uh for coming back and uh, and talking with us about the bucks no problem thanks for having me Sander Phillips from Buck Nation on SB Nation, the Talking Bears and Bucks, week number 16. Sander Phillips from Bucks Nation on SBNation.com. Always great to have him uh, on the show and always interesting to talk to him and of all the teams that he could have chosen being a guy from outside the country uh, and everything I mean we did talk about it the first time we had him on the show uh, over the summer it's like how does someone with no like natural born affiliation like myself being born and raised in Chicago is probably pre-Dustin that I would be a Bears fan uh, and so on how does someone with no you know born in affiliation uh, or anything like that his parents probably don't like football you know that kind of thing how does somebody choose the Buccaneers, you know, when when traditionally that is a foolish proposition, just, you know, like, hey, I like Tampa Bay, for the love of God, why? But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Who can explain why, you know, certain things speak to you in, in ways that others don't? You know, it's just, you know, why football is, is you know, the sport for me and baseball p- – puts me straight to bed like that is the perfect cure for insomnia as far as I'm concerned sit me down I mean even watching the Cubs my team born and raised on the north side the Cubs are my squad uh, sit me down in front of a Cubs game if somebody's not cracking a home run like every 30 seconds I'm out like a light in about five minutes it's just painfully painfully boring stuff football on the other hand I am riveted from the start until the very end and uh, beyond you know because obviously this is what I do I talk about football Uh, in my spare time so uh, anyway it's um, you know great conversation that we had with Sanders Um, you know going into this game with uh, Doug Martin being the number one rusher and the Bears not being the most efficient team uh, against the run obviously that's going to be one of the major keys uh, for the defense this week is trying to stop and or contain or actually maybe I should reverse that contain and or stop Doug Martin Uh, in this football game, which obviously also opens us up because of the respect we have to give Doug Martin the year that he's been having uh, this season, over 1,300 yards rushing, uh, uh, you know, going into these last two games, only being about a handful of yards behind Adrian Peterson for the leading rusher uh, in the league. Play action becomes a big problem uh, for us. Now, the, the Buccaneers... Don't have a a you know threat at at uh, you know for pass catching uh, tight end outside of uh, Mike Evans they don't really have anyone special catching uh, the football. However, that really hasn't mattered uh, the last couple of weeks uh, against the Bears. If if you get them across the middle of the field like that, that's going to be a problem. Uh, most likely going to be open. So we'll have to uh, wait and see. Uh, how that how that goes but obviously the Bears have been susceptible to that especially the last few weeks um, against Minnesota and Washington you know most notably we did have some issues with it against San Francisco but it was uh, those last two weeks really got smoked over the over the middle of the field the uh, transitional defense as you call it you know you're playing that zone you're passing the guy off from your zone to the next guy and somehow there's always a miscommunication that guy comes free and is wide open, and nobody's around for yards before uh, you tackle him. So the the, the the Vikings got, I think, two touchdowns off of that uh, last week. Guys coming out of the backfield or cutting across the middle of the field and just being wide open and being able to run for yards before anybody stops them or gets close to uh, stopping them. So it was uh, that was tough to watch last week. But, um, you know, I, I would think, you know, James Winston is a solid quarterback. The guy's obviously talented uh despite his off the field issues which he's had none since he came to the NFL, so he's cleaned up his act at least, you know, during the season anyway. I've been interested to see what happens after this year, number 1 pick that actually plays like the number 1 pick and uh you know, now he's the most famous man in town. We'll see how that all shakes out uh when it happens. Um but you know, he's got a great arm. He can create plays with his feet. I mean, he was an Heisman Trophy winner for a reason, and um, you know, it's uh, it's proof. Some uh, been a problem uh, for the Bears. Kirk Cousins and uh, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Blaine Gabbert. Obviously, these are guys that can move around in the pocket. These are guys that can hurt you with their feet, uh, running down the field. So that's another thing that the Bears have to keep an eye on is Jameis Winston. Uh, you know, creating opportunities for the Bears uh, with his feet. So. Uh, On the defensive side, we just really got to get something going. You know, we got to get something going. I think that we'll have more success in the passing game because this is the cover two that we're talking about, and we are, as we talked about with Sandra Phillips, we're playing against Chris Conte and Major Wright this week. They suck. We know this. We know this. We know it like no other team in the NFL has, like no other fan base in the NFL has. We know these guys cannot play. They can't play, okay. <laughs> so the you know it's 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 a little much. It's maybe it's a little much to ask for. But if we can get Langford or Forte or even kadim Carey into the third level, get him past the line, the offensive line or the defensive line, get him in past that second level in the uh, you know with the linebackers. If it's between Matt Forte and Chris Conte. Or Matt Forte, or you know, or Matt Forte and Major Wright, or Langford, you know, whatever combination you want to be, and one of those two jokers is coming up and run support. We're going to be in good shape. We're going to be in fantastic shape. Also, if if Alshon is healthy and playing on Sunday, we got to take shots. We got to go deep uh, with with Alshon, and uh, you know, see if we can exploit the the retard that we have out there in uh, in Chris Conte, uh, in because the guy is just terrible, terrible in pass coverage, and we all know this. We all know it. So um, that would be something that we want to do is try to exploit that safety tandem that would, that they have out there that uh, Lovey just couldn't help but bring along with him. Uh, and he, when he went down to uh, Tampa Bay last year, he brought those Jokers with him. Well, actually, he got them this year because we still had them last year, unfortunately. But anyway, um, you know, that's uh, something that we want to do, you know, we want to get the obviously we want to get the running game going. We just want to get something going. Honestly, I don't care what it is. You know, if we're gonna dink and dunk, you know, you want to run the ball by passing short, you know, passes out in the flat and into the back, you know, out of the backfield, things like that. Let's do that. I don't care. I just want to get something going on offense because we haven't been able to get anything with any kind of consistency going. I mean, you know, we haven't been uh, who we've been all year on offense. Granted, we've had tons of issues in the red zones you know putting touchdowns on the board as opposed to you know the constant barrage of field goal attempts but you know the last few weeks is we haven't been able we haven't been ourselves as far as being that team that dominates time of possession that uh, you know moves the chains that from 20 to 20 is virtually unstoppable and then we run into problems when we get into the uh when we when we get into the the red zone so i mean that's something that's been missing Uh, The last few weeks, we've been the team that's been that's that's been dominated. You know, our opponents are the ones that are are putting together the long drives and, you know, hanging on to the football. The last two weeks in the first quarter against the Redskins and the Vikings, we've run a total, a total of 11 plays in two quarters, you know, to start the first quarter against the Vikings and the uh, and the Redskins. We ran five plays in the first quarter against the Redskins six plays in the first quarter uh against the Vikings that's and and obviously in both of those quarters we were behind you know after the first quarter and and, and so on so i mean obviously it's it's not a recipe for success we want to get something going early and we want to stay consistent with it uh throughout the game and and just get back to what we were doing before i mean it that's going to create opportunities we haven't even be, been creating opportunities for ourselves uh, on the offensive side, we haven't even been able to get to the red zone to create those opportunities uh, for us. And when we have, it's been when the game was, you know, in doubt or, you know, the game was already uh, over with uh, at that point, you know, trying to catch up uh, uh, at the end and so on. So it's, um, you, you know, we want to get back to that. We want to be get back to being the team that is holding on to the football for 11 minutes in the first quarter, not the team that's on the sidelines watching. Uh, for the first 11 minutes uh, of the first quarter. We definitely want to get off to a more solid, consistent start on offense against the uh, Buccaneers than we have, especially the last two weeks uh, against Washington and Minnesota where we haven't run a dozen plays in the first quarter combined in the last two games. So, you know, and, uh, you know, to hell with it, man. We're 5-9. and nine. Let's be aggressive. Go after jamie winston send the house them send eight guys who cares just go after him let's try to make something happen we have to have one of the worst turnover ratios in the league now the bears thankfully haven't made a huge habit out of turning over the football uh so we, actually that's uh, probably just you know miscommunicated that it's we have one of the worst takeaway you know th- we don't we don't do the we don't do that the bears don't take the ball away it's been very few and far between that the bears have created turnovers when it used to be our life's blood uh on defense especially when the guy that we're coaching against this year uh this week was our head coach that was how we did things on defense even in that last year that he was in chicago fifth ranked defense number three in points allowed probably number one across the board with with turnovers and uh and so on um You know, the Bears made their name, made their mark, nine defensive touchdowns in 2012. You know, that's it would probably take us another season and a half or two to reach nine defensive touchdowns. I don't even think we have half that since the Bears – or since Lovey left town. So, um, you know, let's just – let's be reckless. Let's throw caution to the wind and let's go out and get it and do everything that we can uh, to win this game against Tampa Bay because I think it would be huge mentally for the Bears going into that final game next week against uh, Detroit if we could get a road win we finish the year of the schedule on the road at five and three I think that would be huge uh, as well and then you know winning at home is supposed to be the easy part if you can win five games on the road that's outstanding no matter what team you have you know the Seahawks would be thrilled to be five and three uh on the road you know in a in a in a season you know that's that's an outstanding road record five and three if the bears could finish that way and then just figure out how to you know close out the deal at home next year you know it's uh you know it's gonna be better it's just gonna be better so <laughs> but uh that's what i want i want aggression i want consistency from this team uh against the buccaneers and uh we'll see uh if uh we'll see what happens if uh santa can put a uh put a victory in our Christmas stocking this year, that would be fantastic uh, going into that final game against Detroit uh, next week. So that is going to do it for the week 16 preview of the bears and the Buccaneers come back on Monday and I'll try to make it Monday. Cause I've said Monday the last two weeks and put the show out on Tuesday. I will do my best to get the show out on Monday uh, talking about the review episode uh, for the bears and the Buccaneers and uh, going forward, uh, we'll see what happens. Be sure and spread the word for the show. Retweet on Twitter. Reshare the post on Facebook. Uh, you know, any other social media you might have out there that you want to do. Do the reviews on iTunes. Make comments or follow the the, the podcast on podbean.com. It's cbrpodcast.podbean.com is the homepage uh, for the show. And any other aspects you might, uh, you might have uh, that, uh, you know, share the show and get the word out. If you do that, you get points towards winning an official Chicago Bears Review poster made by yours truly. So that's going to do it for the Week 16 preview of the Chicago Bears Review. Come back on Monday. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.